You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of Peer Pleasure with Dewey Halpas. I am Dewey, your host with the most, bringing you more great content week after week. This week, we have Sulin Hago from Propagandi. This band is incredible. As you guys know, last week I had Chris Han on from Propagandi, and uh, man, I love this band. I reached out to Sulin. We set it up actually pretty quickly and got it done, and, and I'm really, really stoked to bring you guys this chat. We went all over the place. We went deep through her life. We went through, I mean, everything. It was it was wild. And uh, as these these conversations usually go, um, things get deep and heavy and um, kind of figure out the genesis of, of where people come from or where their career paths start or things like that. It's pretty, uh, pretty awesome. So uh, let's jump into this one, man. I, I'm going to get some business out of the way real quick, and then we're going to jump in. So peerpleasurepodcast.com is the website. PeerPleasurePod at gmail.com is email if you want to get in touch with me with guest ideas or questions or comments. We also have the Peer Pleasure Podcast Inner Circle Facebook group as well as the ad-free feed, uh, which is available on peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm, and that way you can support the show if you'd like to that way. Um, man, thank you guys so much for coming back week after week. This has been an incredible run, and uh, we're going to keep bringing them to you. So without further ado, here's my chat with Sulin Hago from Propagandi. Let's have a drink Back when the world had to go Great grandfather had rose Letters of apology to all of those Families of the men Who could let you burn 
Hey. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> the, the look of shock on your face is incredible. <laughs> it's screen. No! It's like, oh, shit. <laughs> I love that. I love that. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm pretty all right. How are you? Excellent. I'm doing fine. I am doing fine. Thank uh excuse my bright orange uh shirt. I work construction, so I come straight from the job site to here, and so everything's a little bright unless I throw on a hoodie or something, but uh it's a little hot for Orange that today. is a nice color. Thank Orange you. is a nice color. It's Thank the sun, sun, you know, sunrise <laughs> and sunset. Oh man. I am uh I'm stoked to have you on. I wanted to have you on for a long time and and um just finally got around to asking, I guess. It, it, there's a huge long list that I've kept for years. I've been doing this seven years and the list just keeps growing and oh. contracting. It's this living document and uh yeah. You've been on there for a long time, and and uh, I'm I'm very glad to have you on. Thanks for asking me and having me here. Excellent. So you're over in New York. I am. Yeah. Excellent. Okay. So you just had a full day of what, guitar guitar class. Do you do it online? Yeah, um, not as full. Today's kind of slower, like, but it's on the later half of the day, and um, but yeah, yeah, I teach online. Um. This is my 14th year of teaching. Oh my god. That's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. So you get to do so, I mean I mean you're 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 doing great things by doing that because you're think of how many people over that t- amount of time learn guitar from you that went on to do other things. Do you keep track of a lot of your students and what they're doing and or do they kind of come and go? The I feel like when I started, it's like, I mean, that was 14 years ago. Um, they were kids actually. And so like all of them, like, I don't even remember their all their names. And this is like pre kind of, I mean, I guess social media was maybe just starting out. Obviously like they're kids. I'm not going to like be on, like, we're not going to be like social media. So it's like, I don't remember their names, like full names. And like, and that was just not like, it's like, you just kind of didn't do that. So it's like, it's when I, and I started at a school, I should say like a little mom and it was more like a mom and pop shop in like in Tampa. Mm-hmm. I taught there for four and a half years. It's like, uh, I couldn't, I wasn't like getting hired anywhere. So I just went into the place I used to buy strings. I'm like, are you hiring? <laughs> <laughs> and I got the job and I just basically started teaching from scratch. I'd never taught them wow. and learned it through experience. And, but yeah, it was mostly kids and so anyway to answer that question it's like yeah i just i have no idea what like a lot of them are and then after four and a half years i decided to just do it on my own because they weren't happy with me going like i was starting tour like just with my own bands and i wanted that freedom to be able to do that whenever i could so i just started to teach on my own which is what i've done i guess now for uh, 10 years wow okay. <laughs> like, like almost 10, I guess 10 years, like almost 10, 
All right. That makes that makes a lot of sense. It's it's so nice being able to have control over what you do with your day to a to a degree where you can go on tour and you can go that was always the struggle. I I come I was a true musician for 12 years. I I'm no longer, but um it was always the hardest trying to find a job you could keep while on the road. And this yeah. was in the early 2000s when I was touring. So like we were working at clubs, like uh, music clubs. I was living in a music club, uh, in an office upstairs because I could live there for free and tour. Um, people's basements, couches, whatever, because none of us could find employment that would keep us for a yeah. tour. That was always the biggest struggle. But it seems like now it's with the advancement of the internet. Of course, really helps in those situations. But having something where, um, you can pay your bills. And still tour when maybe the band isn't paying those bills. Um, yeah. To get to the point where you no longer have to do that. And uh, it seems like it's much easier now. Still hard, but much easier than it was. Um, you know, it's it's uh, it's just a crazy... It, maybe it's the advancement of the whole van life movement, too, where jobs are, you know, people are, oh, I do advertising or I do graphic design or something where they can literally drive anywhere and just kind of live on their own and, and, and make their means online. But yeah, but I mean, <clears throat> do you remember, did you take guitar lessons when you were younger or did you teach yourself? No, I took some, I, um, I started with a couple, like, I guess the first five lessons I remember the guy tried to teach me how to read music and, and I was just like, you know, single string going and, and I was just told my parents, I'm like, I don't like this. Like, like I knew what guitar music was, you know, yeah. it's like, I wanted to play either like punk or metal and it's just, it didn't resemble that. So I stopped Then we went with someone else, like a second teacher and it was like, it was okay. Like learned how to read tab and taught me like songs I want to learn, like, uh, like in punk songs, but same thing, kind of stopped for him, whatever reason, didn't click. And then it was like the third teacher I had, like we were just, my parents and I the weekends just drive around like around the hood, you know, just in the backseat, wherever we're going. And, and I saw music shops, God, like, oh, can I go in there, you know? Um, and then I had just known a couple punk songs and, you know, we were just talking to one of the teachers there who was just like not teaching at the moment mm -hmm. and he got behind the kit. And we just, I just played some punk songs and he played like a, like a basic beat behind it. And it was like, wow, like you can play along like with people. And I think that might've been the first time I even played with someone. And I was like, basically like, oh, can I like work with this guy? <laughs> you know, like, and, uh, and he was like the first like real person that I stuck with for a while. And it was great. He just like taught, like, we'd kind of just like jam, which I thought that was like cool. And and it wasn't like super heavy technique, you know, it's just like teaching me like basic song, like rock songs, you know, like, uh, like sure. Like Clapton and crazy train, you know, your <laughs> basics that you kind of always do. And then, yeah. um, but then when I was getting better, he's like, you got to go with this guy. And so the, the same in the same like little music store he transferred me like after like two years to like this, like. Ingbe Malmsteen like shredder guy and he's like the first guy to show me like basically like theory a bit and even though I didn't really understand it I was just like sure I'll do this and yeah so I was kind of always like I guess I didn't yeah I did lessons and I, I still actually like enjoy learning from others like I buy books all the time I have one in the mail right now I got this one right here sitting here like I just really love 
learning from others just because you don't know what like whatever their background is both in experience and just knowledge like i'm like i want it like i want it's like a it's like a trading card i see it so i've i've been hooked on it like i'm and i will forever like yeah. be learning from others so um so yeah that's kind of at least the routing and then even after that guy like i kind of i'm i very i do a lot of start and stop with lessons throughout my years mm-hmm. And then even after that guy, I think when I was like 18, it was like the first time I studied with like a jazz teacher. And that's where I really learned, started learning theory like proper. And that was like, great. <laughs> that's quite, that's quite a ride. Cause you've got like, I love what you said about just being like a perpetual student, like just all the time, like learning, learning, learning. Cause what's the point of life other than that is learning. I mean, do you ever get to a point where you just kind of rest on your, I mean, I don't think that really happens yeah, but actually, see, searching out like knowledge and things to learn uh, is super amazing because it's just going to make you stronger the whole time. Like it's just it's everything is going to make you stronger than you were before, or better than you were before, or more prepared for this or that. Um, but also going back to your your teacher that you were jamming with, like it's kind of like driver's ed. It seems like where you're actually in the car driving, learning instead yeah. of just sitting in the little like computer program. Like you're literally doing it as you're learning it and jamming with someone like that and having that connection seems huge. It seems like that would be the right way to go for a lot of people is, is to just sit down with a drummer or sit down with someone that understands how to at least keep a beat and have mm-hmm. to do it real time to, to kind of sink your teeth into that. Like, and really like, this is something I want to do, like feeling that, that vibe. Yeah, they they really set that like foundation for me, like just to have like collaboration. Even the second guy, so it's like first guy was named John Nunez, and then the second guy, the shreddy like Ingve guy, was uh, Shane French. And even them, like they, he, he was teaching me like early theory, like modes, and just loose. Like I didn't know what it related to anything, and I'm just do it. Fuck it, I don't know mm-hmm. what this means, but it's cool to play and whatever like that's all i wanted like i just wanted to play the fucking guitar and but they do shit like have me like improvise and like in front of like it's like a little recital and i remember how fucking scary that was how shitty i sounded but it's like those moments are so important you don't realize the thread it's setting up to be a performer Uh to just and like even like when i was younger like i think about my school i grew up in puerto rico and it was like the school that like was really like about these activities. We'd have like field days and we'd have like, like the class would do like plays. So like at age four, which is like when I started that, I was already in this like painted like face. Like I was a, a like a card, like a deck of cards. I was a single card. The whole class was card. I'm at four at the gym. And you're all like doing your steps, you know, <laughs> and pay, like I actually, and that was like my first, I'd say performance. And like, you know, later I realized like, especially I teach and a lot of like what I'm trying to help people on top of technique is like, it's actually a confidence building being like, like, like turn off that inner critic, that doubtful person who's like really just a bully who, you know, and it's just like, and realizing how positive these moments of like these little fucking in the gym performance set me up to feel like 
kind of comfortable as a performer. I mean, I'm sh- I went through shit too. That's like, was damaging and you have to reverse it. You have to like, not let those moments that like are humiliating define you or keep you from like doing something like performing in front of people and shit. But yeah, those, those things are crazy. Awesome. And, and learning from people, I just, I find a, a huge joy of it and uh, from it. And I will, again, continue. I like jamming with people for similar reasons, just being like, wow, what, what is your playing experience? Like, and what, what's it going to bring out of me that I've never maybe seen the kind of player that I have to be because I have to like communicate with you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I feel, and I say this a lot, it's the most intimate language there is, is music is connecting with someone that way. Cause you're not necessarily using words. You're using feelings. Like you're feeling, you can, you can hide your feelings pretty well with words and kind of like body language and stuff but when it stuff's coming out of you like that it touches the most like like crazy deep spots like it's literally coming from like who you are like the music that's what's so special about it is it's it's this connection like this the you know like when you can have your eyes closed on stage and know exactly what's going to happen not necessarily in a song that's written but just jamming and you 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 change in the same time like everything everything is is especially with jazz like you said you were doing jazz lessons like that's one of the craziest things to watch is just how people become one person like it, it seemingly with no it seems like there's no rules in jazz there is of course but like they could go anywhere and it's just this group of people that become one person yeah. without words it just happens and it's so amazing and i wish everyone could feel what that feels like to lock in with someone like that. I think the world would be a better place if you realize, and I think it helps too, and this did not to get a too long of a tail on this, but like if people could feel that, I think there'd be a lot less segregation and, and bullying and hate in the world. If you could feel how good it feels to connect with someone on that level and how it could be with anyone that, we're all connected to something and that's one thing you can feel i think it'd be amazing if you could just make everyone in the world feel that for a second it would change things on a massive level i think i don't know how you feel about like but just being locked in with another human being playing music no word just everything is moving in time together like just being on a on an ocean both boats going the same way you know like it's just you're connected it's it's yeah Well, it's like, if you think of what's involved when you're jamming with someone or writing with them, even touring trust, you know, and, and it's a, and it's a letting go of control and being like, how do we work together? Like, and vulnerability, you know, and it's just like, there's all these good things that a lot of times, like those three things are what seem to hold you back if you, ha- you don't have them in check. You know, if you're a controlling person, if you don't trust people, you know, you just assume the worst and people, and I get it, you have to be protective because we've all been hurt. We've all come across people who are terrible. Um, but again, you have to, it's, it's like kind of like, if you think of the jam analogy, like, or being an analogy for like life and, and just in terms of your relations with people, you can't let one shitty situation like carry it through to every new person you meet you come with the same baggage you just have to like fresh start i always think of it's like a baseball like short-term memory 
you struck out the last bat. That was the last bat, you know, like you're here, the fresh start, like treat it. Like it's like, you have short-term memory, mm-hmm. fresh start, like come in with all that shit. That's harder, you know, <laughs> harder than it sounds, but, but yeah, it's like, anyway, back to the music thing. I think it's, yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful exchange. And, and uh, I tell people that with the teaching, like that's part of what I think is something like a contribution that I give back to like, mm-hmm humanity is that i think of it as an empowerment thing where yes it is the guitar playing it's the the flash of being able to play xyz technique all this shit knowing all that theory whatever um but beyond that it's the power that the the transformation that it, it um that people go through that's the beauty and and being like hey you are capable who you are at the beginning and you maybe like, yes, we all kind of suck at our instruments in the beginning, but that's not permanent. It's this, it's this having this uh, faith and, and being consistent, being committed, having faith that if you just keep working at it, you will get better. And then when you do like that changes who you like, it's like a healing thing. It changes who you are inside. And so, yeah, anyway, it's like, I think it's like, that all relates with the jamming. Cause it's like, you have the individual kind of, that's like their what's happening internally. And then you do it together with people. And then it's like a different beast. And, and you could, doesn't matter your walk of life, you're in it together. And it's like, you can just kind of set that shit aside and be like, here's our common purpose is to like connect to something higher than we can even understand, mm-hmm. which is like each other, but also something more. Yeah. It, it applies to so many things too, that, uh, uh, there's that term, a higher power or something above yourself, not necessarily a, a God of any kind, but like a, something bigger than you, whether it's, you know, a tree or the ocean or, or something, just admitting that there's something bigger than yourself is a huge, a huge thing. And, and, um, but there's also, I don't know if you've, if you've, uh, there's like group therapy sessions that they do, like where people get together and do it as a group which is super interesting but it kind of along the same lines like you're opening up all these things with other people and connecting in live time it's kind of like jamming but it's a, it was an interesting concept i heard about not too long ago the group therapy thing and you know i've done that you have so yeah and oh. i have to say it changed my life it was a long time ago so when i was so I didn't want to go to college. Okay. I wanted to play music, but I got bribes by my parents. They paid for my $200 like demo. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was broke. So that was like a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I went, whatever. Didn't even have a major at the beginning. I was all curmudgeon, really bitter about it. But And then ultimately, again, everything kind of turns around. Now that I see it, I'm like, no, that was good that I went. I needed to. I needed to kind of whip myself into this disciplinary shape and and so many good things came out of it. But anyway, while I was there after the curmudgeon stage and I accepted the fact that I'm here, I'm just going to do this thing. Um, I was having, I was suffering a lot of uh, social anxiety and, um, and I've always dealt with like depression and shit, like mm-hmm. musicians, you know, there's a reason where this, this attracts us. I think we all have our fucking weird quirks and, um, but anyway, so I, the university went to offer an individual therapy. So I don't know, I think it was like an ex mom at the time. It's like, you should try therapy or whatever. Like it was the first person who like suggested it. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to try it. They offered it for free, but it was only up to a certain time. 
you could do it. So I did it and I could kind of feel like I wasn't like it was helping, but I'm like, you know, I kind of still feel like I still need this shit, like whatever's happening inside. And, uh, so the woman recommended, she's like, I can't keep going with you because we're at our limit, but group therapy is like unlimited, right? Cause no one wants to fucking do it. (laughs) (laughs) So I remember sitting there, I was like, what the fuck? I don't know, man. That sounds really terrible. (laughs) And I just kind of went through it, but I could tell I'm like, I was like more, I could, I felt what was right, which was like, you don't feel you you feel still fucked. And if you really want to like change how you, the state that you're in, that's like, you feel like you can't even walk in front of like a group of two people. You start like shaking, you know, it's just like, whatever it's going through, just do it. It was brutal. I have to say it was, it was one of the hardest things I've ever done. Um, it was small, like mm-hmm. fucking like that so, moat. It was Friday morning at like 8 a.m. I remember that. And I, just, you know, I'm not a drinker anymore, yeah. but I drank at the time and I, partied so i sometimes show up like hungover and haven't talked about my feelings and all that stuff and it was very hard i have to say it was one of the hardest things i did but it was also it transformed me because i guess out of everything that came out of it when i think about who i was when i began versus who i who i like when i came out of it and it was almost like this weird like graduation kind of feeling unofficially it's almost like you'd have to kind of go to the person and be like, I think I'm ready. I remember meeting search separately. She's like, I think you are too. Cause I remember people would leave and you'd have like a last day thing. People who have been there a while. You kind of talk them. And I was always being like, how did they get out of here? <laughs> you know, like, and it was a feeling, a feeling of like, when you feel like you're different and like from week to week, you're not like sulking or whatever, you know, like negative or like dealing with the shit. I, again, it's so this is like, I think it was like 19 or 20. Like it was, I was very, I was young. Anyway, point is the transformation was that I realized we're all the fucking same. Like the thing that I feel like this inner turmoil that I'm going through myself, like myself, all this, like, like I'm not worthy or, you know, like I'm fucking weird. I don't talk right. Like, you know, all these insecurities. And then you're in a small group of people going through shit too, who've chosen to do this. And then they start saying what they're going through. You're like, yeah, I relate. Yeah, I relate. Like everyone's relating to each other. It's like the jam shit. Mm -hmm. So you are right. And then, and that's what it comes to. And then when, when everyone's kind of helping each other out, trying to like give clear perspective, you realize it's like, yeah, you can't trust your feelings in a way. Like it's, they're not facts. Sometimes they're like, they're, they're mixed with some other bullshit and you need clarity. So that, that was like, I really felt like what I was assuming, what was the worst, maybe the social anxiety was like insecurity, assuming the worst about what maybe people thought of me or something was like, you realize, no, everyone's actually feeling this kind of similar thing and, and be easy on yourself, you know, like shit like that. It was, like I said, it was hard. One of the hardest things I did, but I don't think I'd be as kind of confident as a person amongst humans if it weren't for that. Yeah. You know, to each their own, whether they want to do it or not, it's not going to be easy. Therapy in general is not because you have to face your fucking the thing that's really holding you back. Mm-hmm. So it's hard, but it's also like that's how you defeat it, you know? Yeah. And it's usually yourself. It's your yeah. own your own head like it's uh i do therapy usually on thursdays before this um over zoom so it's always i say this all the time but it's super weird because sometimes 
it's a huge breakthrough moment. And then I click in, Hey, how you doing? Or sometimes it's a huge setback and it's like, Hey, how you doing? And they're gonna like play it cool for an hour or so. It's such a weird thing, but I, that's you know, awesome. You so group that you've done group there because I didn't hear about it till very recently. And it seems like such a great idea, but like you said, difficult, but, uh, it's Would hard you, because we don't like feeling that vulnerable and to do that with strangers is hard. Like you're just like pouring yourself out. Like it's, uh, but that's actually the beauty of it. Mm-hmm. Talking back to the music thing, that is part of the jamming experience or performing experience is, is being comfortable with being vulnerable. Mm-hmm. So fuck like that is quintessential. Like, Hey, I'm fucking, ex- you know, I'm feeling whatever, you mm-hmm. know, like, and actually saying shit out loud to people, you realize, wow, like I'm an asshole to myself when I'm like, yeah. the, you know, like you almost don't realize how, how the severity of how shitty it is until you say it out loud to people. And that's actually what makes you kind of stop. It's almost cringy. Like, damn, like I don't deserve that. You know, it's like you, yeah. you have to kind of be like two people at once sometimes like when you're uh, like, at least in this stage of maybe like, healing or trying to get through your own shit you know it seems so strange to me we don't just say what we mean or say what we want to say like we're always so guarded with stuff like that and it's so strange because like you said we're all the same like everyone's connect like take it to a simple thing like today I, i was on it was either instagram or facebook or something randomly just scrolling through like i do which i drives me nuts but there's all these memes of stuff like when when you were a kid and you did something like this, you're one of us. And it's always something really weird. Like this one was, this one was taking a, uh, a safety pin or a needle and putting it through your finger, just the skin part that didn't hurt. And then like, just holding it there. I don't know if you've ever did this. Yes. I did it all the fucking time. Like right at the tip because yes. you wouldn't like puncture it. You wouldn't feel it, but you're like, <laughs> it's like, if you did this, you're one of us. And I was like, I thought that was super original. Like something weird that I did. No, everyone did it. But you yeah. don't see that stuff because there was no internet to see it. But now you realize, like, everyone did all these things. It, yeah. Most people, you're not the weird one. Like, everyone, either they either broadcast that they did these things or they didn't. And that's why you feel weird about it because it seems like other people didn't. But little things like that give me hope that, like, like everything is truly connected because it was so such a simple thing. It's just this boredom yeah. thing, like, sitting there, oh, I wonder – Oh yeah, I can go that far with this, you know, just like testing the boundaries and then like looking at your hand, like, oh, that's so fucking cool. Like, you know, like put them through all fingers and just like, or multiple yeah. fingers at once, like, and then close the safety pin. That's super weird shit. But, um, I grew up in Alaska. No, it was it's super bored. <laughs> What'd you say? I grew up in Alaska where we were super bored on a little Island. So, I mean, uh, we I grew do up on a like different that. Island, different kind of Island. And I was doing the, the, the safety pin thing too so that's so awesome <laughs> <We're all connected. laughs> man uh one thing you were saying to earlier though to you're kind of alluding to i guess is like we can also be kind of our biggest bully ourselves like say the things that because <clears throat> we're reverberating things that have been said to us whether by our parents or friends or people at school or anywhere and then it just compounds and compounds in your head going over and over again like a rock tumbler but instead of coming out like a smooth rock it just destroys everything around it. It's like if that rock would never polish and just ruined the barrel over and over again is what happens. And it, it just seems crazy. Like you said, you say things like, what the fuck am I saying? Like, this is ridiculous when you say it out loud. Uh, I find that interesting too, because I'm um, same thing. Like I'll be my absolute worst critic 
I'll, I'll circle things in my brain. Uh, little things like there's things, there's episodes I've not wanted to put out cause I thought it was so terrible. And then when I do put them out, people are stoked about it and, and it was all in my head or I don't want to make this decision or that decision because you know, I'm, I'm either scared or, or, uh, worried about the outcome instead of just saying, you know what, this is how I feel. I'm going to roll with it, you know, trust your gut kind of thing and not let yourself talk, talk yourself out of it. Um, do you remember when that stuff started getting in your head? Like those voices or those, uh, those thoughts or those, um, you know, kind of beating yourself up. Do you remember, did that start really early for you or was it more towards college? Yeah. Like, um, I grew up extremely doubtful. I was like the, I was a pro at giving up and things because it was just like first try of first trial of trying something and I didn't get it. It was just like, I it like kind of like the defining, like mm-hmm. means I suck at it. And, you know, yeah, that's kind of coming from harsh <laughs> exterior, maybe a parent who's just like a little bit like impatience, you know? And I just like, um, yeah, I, I was, I was very, like I had a low self-esteem just with like doing things and yeah, so I gave up a lot and it's crazy. Like I didn't learn how to ride a bike till I was like much later. I didn't learn how to drive a car until I was twice. Like it kind of trickled into my life. Like where it's just like, didn't get it. So I gave up like, and I avoided it. So that happened throughout my life. Like, so what's crazy. And I, I actually talk, I have a similar conversation with students sometimes because, you know, if sometimes I could see if they're like, being held back it's it's maybe there's something deeper there it's almost like a therapy session mm-hmm. and we've kind of learned that there's this thing like almost like a phenomenon where it's just like if you've had maybe a positive response to something then like your foundation of the act is positive and you're like you have this armor of confidence but if you've had like the opposite maybe it was like there was a harsh critic or insulted and that's your foundation of negativity. And it's what's really interesting is because the one thing that was like touched beautifully for me was the guitar. I got into the guitar because it was my neighbor in Puerto Rico. He's five years older. Got me into it. He got me into like punk and metal as well and skating. And yeah, he was just like the first time I was like, I was, we had since moved out of Puerto Rico, but we went to see his family and like Maryland or something, they had moved to, and he had a guitar there and he put my hands on a power cord. He's like, this is all you'll ever need, you know? And like the little punk. And I, I must've been struggling and, and like almost like that, that same experience of like, fuck, I suck. You know, I can't do this. Like kind of on the brink of giving up and he saw it and he's just like, don't think your hands are too small. You have to get, you just have to get used to it. And it's seriously that, fucking moment that just positive encouragement and that is why the guitar has been the thing like that has the only thing that i was positive about so all this shit i'd kind of give up but it's like just someone fucking giving me a bit of like you got this you know just positive encouragement and that's why it's like my routing with the guitar has always been founded on excitement and confidence like no you just like more positivity Mm -hmm. like i fucking see it and then other shit because it's like it was you know 
harder or like whatever it wasn't that and so like usually with like people like i teach i try to see that like hey did you have an experience you know and sometimes if it's terrible it's like we you have to write rewrite the script you kind of have to become that person who is the positive person which is very hard to rewrite the script there's this thing too like uh we're all into like this kind of like trauma therapy me and my partner and stuff Mm -hmm. because i think it's healthy you know you just want a better experience for yourself and the people you love you know you kind of like bounce these things off each other trying to help people out but it's something about if you've gone through a traumatic event like a way of almost coping is to like rewrite it as if the thing didn't happen and that's really interesting because it's like you just uh yeah and it's almost like if you do that what is what would follow you know it's yeah. uh really interesting so like in that case like at least with like your inner voice maybe attaching to it a specific skill set like rewriting like how you communicate to yourself and then you know what's interesting i've been taking like singing lessons and it's completely uh, like my foundation is negative like in terms of my voice and i see the parallel like damn with the guitar was like fucking like I, even when I couldn't do it, I was just never as harsh. I was just like, fuck it. You, you suck at it. Whatever. Just keep at it. Keep doing it. And mm-hmm. you'll get better at it. Mm-hmm. Where the scene is just like, wow, I'm just noticing how much of a dick I am to myself. <laughs> when, you know, like when you don't sound great and I'm trying to like change it. Like, I'm just like, no, come in, like using the guitar, like kind of way of like be positive, just whatever, laugh, laugh it off. Actually laughing helps. Like just laugh at the fact that you fucked up and you couldn't sing that. Don't take it so seriously. You know, it's just, it's just all about being easy on yourself. Almost like thinking of yourself as the little kid, you and being like, who did you want? What kind of treatment do you want? And like nurturing yourself that way. It's hard work, but it's, you know, it's possible. I think all these, all this stuff is possible. It's just like a, it's habit building, you know, that's a lot of interesting things in there for, for side note. Anyone who ever has ever seen you play guitar, your hands are not too small, like a like a crab on that thing. Like it's crazy. Like stuff I couldn't. I'm six foot five. My hands are enormous. I couldn't do some of the stuff you do. Uh, I'm just I'm watching. Like holy shit. Like the, not not even the fact of like that size and just watching the playing is like oh my god. Like I wish I could play like that. I don't put in the hours of practice to play like that. So I don't necessarily deserve to play like that but uh it's impressive like just like just like watching you play guitars is is astounding like just the hands the control the 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 uh accuracy like everything's just so calculated i was telling chris this the other day when i had him on like just there's parts in these songs that are so calculated i feel like i picture a clock like a the inside of a watch like if you opened up a rolex and and like that's kind of how i see sound is is visually um or or process sound is visually colors things like that um but anyways that's a that's a side note on that but um talking about like with your your doing voice lessons or, or singing lessons you mentioned something kind of fast earlier on about like i don't talk right or i don't talk like you mentioned that is that something that comes from something or is that just, you were just mentioning that because is that something that like you had in your head or something someone said to you that you don't talk right or or made some comment about the way you speak because I don't see it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Cause like, it's like, it's such a child, like 
like thing that I've, I've really worked on, like, again, reversing. And it's, uh, you know, being younger, like I grew up, I learned both Spanish and English actually, okay. like at the same time. So like in terms of like knowing how to pronounce it, you know, it's just like shit like that. And it's like moving to like, when I moved to like Florida, so like us five Oh proper, um, you know, you kind of probably being a kid and fucking not having correct grammar, like my, my, uh, so it's like shit like that, you know, or like also I was, I was a very shy person, very, very shy, like, like extreme. Like I'd fucking hide my face as a child, like in front of people, like I was insanely really? shy. So like, so like, I didn't, so I didn't talk to people. So even when I start talking, it was probably like very like mountain, you know? So it's like, yeah, there was just like, I just never. What's going on guys. This is Dewey from peer pleasure. And I want to tell you about our newest sponsor, DistroKid. DistroKid distributes your music across all online platforms. They are an amazing company. I've enjoyed working with them the last few weeks and they're going to be with us for a while. And I really, really appreciate that. I love working with great companies and DistroKid is one of them. Uh, they have an awesome thing they're doing right now called splits. Now, if you're working as most people are online, doing collaborations with people from all over the country, all over the world, as easy as that is with the internet, uh, you want to get those people paid when you put that music online, and splits can do that. You can add an unlimited amount of collaborators to any track. You can change the splits at any time. You can add or remove collaborators at any time. You can see previous splits, and all your collaborators are going to have to do is sign up for a DistroKid membership, a DistroKid account, so they can get paid. And as always, DistroKid never takes a cut. You and your collaborators get 100% of the earnings in total. A couple other awesome things that they do is they set up an official artist YouTube channel. Uh, you can use Spotify Canvas, synced lyrics, promo card to promote your release on social media, a mini video for your socials as well. There's just so many awesome things about using DistroKid. And like I said, I don't advertise things I don't use, haven't signed up for. I have signed up for this. It is a breeze, literally a breeze. And you can get going right away. So definitely check out DistroKid. And I want to give you 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. That is distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for Peer Pleasure Podcast. Once again, that is 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. Distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP. Go check out DistroKid right now. Distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for 30% off. What's up, everybody? I am Finn McKenty, host of the Punk Rock NBA podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. My podcast is all about doing what you love for a living. And every week, I sit down and talk to people who have done exactly that. For example, musicians like Tommy from Between the Buried Me, Matt from Periphery, Lil Lotus and Shinigami, among many others. Photographers, artists, designers, YouTubers like Glenn Fricker and Sarah Dietschy. And I unpack exactly how they got to where they are today with the goal of helping you do the same. So if that sounds cool, you can listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com and I'll see you there. Hey everyone, this is Tuck from Fit for a King in Off-Road Minivan. Every week I bring you fun interviews alongside your favorite metalcore entertainers with my new podcast, Get Tucked. Join me every Monday with bands like Counterparts, Crystal Lake, like Mods to Flames, and many more. We play unsigned and undiscovered bands, deep dive into each artist's history, and of course provide the greatest breakdowns in current metalcore. 
Tune in to Get Tucked every Monday out now through Sound Talent Media. Hey guys, this is Dewey from Peer Pleasure and I wanted to tell you about Premium Pleasure, our premium subscription service that's available now. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. There's three tiers, tier one, tier two, and tier three. Tier one is $5 a month. It gets you the ad-free experience. Tier two gets you access to the Peer Pleasure Passcast. It gets you access to the videos of the interviews. It gets you merch discounts. Tier three is $20 a month. That gets you all of that. It gets you the Passcast, gets you the video footage, discounts on merchandise, and monthly Zoom calls with myself and other guests. We're going to have all kinds of stuff in there for you. There's all kinds of stuff in there for you now. There is, uh, I believe, 30 to 40 videos of these interviews. There is uh, multiple episodes of the Passcast. The Passcast is a podcast that I'd started separately that is me and another podcaster or me and a guest uh, discussing a deep dive into their favorite episode of Peer Pleasure. Um, so there's a bunch of those on there. So so-and-so and I would talk about the Chino Moreno episode. So-and-so and I would talk about uh, the Yvette Young episodes. And we would do a deep dive and tell where they came from, how we got the guest, stories of uh, that weren't discussed on the podcast or maybe weren't in there. Um, it's just another glimpse behind the curtain. So that's the big deal with this premium service is giving you a glimpse behind the curtain of how the podcast is made, gives you access to things I'm doing and things that we're doing with the show, um, gives you, you know, ad free stuff. It gives you just all kinds of, of things that we could throw in there to help make it a valuable part of your month. Cause I put everything out there on this show. I put everything I have into this show. Um, so being able to give you guys that little bit of extra is a big deal to me and having your support is a big deal to me because if we don't support our artists and creatives, we're not going to have any left. So I appreciate it. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. Go sign up today and get some of this premium pleasure. Like, uh, it took me years to build social confidence and, and even just feeling like the skill of being like able to communicate clearly is something I feel like I consciously acquired along the way. My degree ended up being in creative writing and English. Part of that was my attraction. That was my like, kind of like, I don't like, I guess growing up there, this is like the punk spirit. I couldn't stand when someone would like be like, you can't do this or you can't do that. I'd be like, fuck you. Don't tell me, you know, just like, you know, and just, so it's like almost like, like I don't talk right or ever. Well, fuck it. I'm going to learn how to talk right. You know? And then like, that's where like the education kind of thing or like, you know, or yeah, I think it's, it's like socially. I just, it was just hard for me. I think I just, you know, it's just super shy. And I grew up in a very, like my sister and my dad are pretty extrovert outgoing and my mom and I are the quieter ones. So like, I kind of keep in my corner. So when I did talk, I just didn't like it. Like, I didn't like how I, I, I just didn't feel comfortable in it. And I still, I still carry those kind of timid things. Even I'm like, Oh, fucking interview. Like I, I it's almost like I kind of go through like my old like habit of like when something's coming up that's social i fucking like i almost get scared because i'm like i don't feel like i do it right you know or i I say stupid shit or i I like ramble you know it's just again it's the bully of like Mm -hmm. i i i say i can't do the thing and then here's my 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 reasoning that's just like 
it's a harsher than it fuck and probably not even as realistic you know like yeah um you can't kind of trust like even your critic like i think they're just to blow things out of proportion that's one of the things i remember in therapy too actually was that how much we exaggerate scenarios you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um like even when things like i always think about this for performing because even when you have a bad show, it's almost worse in your mind how the feeling will be. Because and I, what I tell myself is, like, yeah, it's like you exaggerate it, and it's just like you will. It's not being at war. It's you know, like it's you're you're. If you have a bad show, you're not going to die from it. That's kind of what keeps me in check. Like of like, don't like whatever. It's a fucking bad show. You're still alive. Yeah. It's not going to kill you. You know, it's like shit like that, just to dampen the severity of it mm-hmm. that we that of how we feel about it in our minds uh, and laughing it off being like fuck it, fucked up whatever what's the risk you take too when you actually play the music having a bad show if it's all choreographed and on backing tracks and stuff you never have a bad show you never have to worry about it unless maybe you felt a little sick during it or something like it's the you risk you take too. yeah exactly uh Man, okay. Should, by, by the way, I should say your comment. Thanks for all the compliments. I didn't say anything before, uh, about the point. I appreciate nothing, that. Really nice. Nothing needed. I, 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 uh, I hope you weren't nervous about this conversation because I always feel I bad always when people... am. So it's nothing personal. Okay. And actually, once I get in front of a person, it's kind of like the hey, we're all the same. That is feeling. Yeah. We're like, again in my head. I'm I'm exaggerating how fucking scary it's gonna be because I just like. It's it's kind of like being on like by yourself is dangerous to mm-hmm. like if you're by yourself for so long because the world you're kind of creating in your mind mm-hmm. it's not really realistic. You, you, it's almost like you give your insecurities and your anxiety more power. That's why it's important to go outside, fucking interact with people, mm-hmm. get the truth, which is like, hey. Who knew we'd be talking about this shit? And like we're we're just hanging out, and it's like it's yeah. nice, and we're like yeah, we're we're the same. Like I wouldn't. It's it's a nice thing, you know. It it is. This is what I love about doing this. It's just it it's just the real stuff. Like they don't have the notes. I don't have notes in front of me. They just like let's see what this is where this is gonna go. It's where it always does. I had yeah. uh, this is a side note too. It was really funny because since I was I was always a, like a fan of this band Tool that uh since i was in like elementary school like you know when i first heard them and it was like this whole thing boom 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 always a fan always in the back of my mind like they're always there like there was this like enigma of people i didn't know what they looked like or i didn't know anything about them so (laughs) i worked and worked and worked through this show and i got justin chancellor from tool on the show and when he told me that he was nervous all day to do this interview with me he had to go on a hike and write down a bunch of talking points himself to be comfortable enough to get on the call. It was, I felt horrible because he had to go through that. But I also was like, that's one of the coolest things ever. Like I should have been nervous to do yeah. that, but like it, it wasn't, it was just like this. It was exactly like this completely normal conversation. And it's so beautiful because it's, it's literally everyone's the same. There's no, yeah rock stars there's no i mean there's people that think they are but there's no like everyone is connected in so many ways you can always find a common thread regardless of 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 where you come from or 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 anything anyways it was just a quick side note because it brought up my mind but i want to touch on one other thing that you mentioned earlier though we were talking about like rewriting the trauma um i wanted to clarify on that what you were because 
are you rewriting the the reaction or the the take on it or rewriting the actual event like are you putting the positive spin on it or is it somewhat burying it under the rug it's rewriting the event and i at least my theory on why you would do this is to almost like i think it's like giving it less power Mm -hmm. by like changing what happened you know because you obviously can't change what happened. Sure. And I think part of healing from trauma is is acceptance. Mm-hmm. And, and true healing is that where it doesn't affect you and maybe the way it has, mm-hmm. it did initially and it, and it has if you haven't healed from it. So it's almost like the rewriting is kind of a way of like, it's almost like you're faking it. Like it didn't happen. It's, almost, it's a way of brushing it off and mm-hmm. giving it less power, I think is at least that's what I got from like, that idea of rewriting the actual event. Gotcha. Okay. That's one thing I was, I wanted to clarify because I was curious on that because that's a take on it. I haven't heard much about. And what my therapist and I talk about is, is um, appreciating those events it, to a degree because it's shaped somewhat of who you are. So if you can be happy with yourself where you are, you kind of have to thank or appreciate or acknowledge those things as being part of your journey to get you there which was also kind of a strange concept and I'm still struggling with it, but like uh, it's, if you think of it, I mean, it kind of, it's, it's part of the thread of your life where you got to where you are because these events kind of put you in those situations. Um, yeah. You know, I grew up in a Mormon household, like a, a super weird upbringing. You see, you had a, you have a sister and a, and so older sister. Older. Okay. Did she ever speak for you a lot? since you were quiet, like she'd kind of chime in and talk over yeah, you yeah. and speak for you and, and yeah. you just kind of hung back. Okay. I'm that person. That's something <laughs> I see a lot. And so that, that makes a lot of sense with the the social anxiety. I was going to ask where that came from, but you explained it pretty well there with <laughs> kind of being in the background, but like covering your face and like the, the, that kind of extreme anxiety. I, I, I feel for you on that. Cause that's horrible to grow up, like to, to live that way. Being yeah, scared so, of people like that. Yeah, you know, it makes me wonder. It's like, and you know, it's interesting. Like, I love my sister, but we're so different socially. Like, we we actually are so alike in some ways. Like, we we can laugh with just a fucking glance and like read each other's minds, like, <laughs> and have the same thoughts, say it exactly the same way. Yeah. Um. But yeah, socially we're very fucking different. Like, total, she's total extrovert. Mm-hmm. I would, you know, that's why I was having a conversation with a friend the other day because I'm like, I don't think I'm as introverted as I think I am, especially anymore. But anyway, yeah. point is, our upbringings were different because even though you know, five years is a pretty big time for kids, you know, yeah. and then on top of that, so even that dynamic's different, you know, like a one and six year old is very different at that age. Um, so of course, you know, if you have a very extrovert six-year-old and a very quiet one-year-old, it's just like the power, you know, all the attention's going there. I'm kind of just like hiding, doing my own thing, which again, I don't mind because that kind of, in terms of it, where it led, it's like, I do that when I write, I do that when I play, I kind of, mm-hmm. I'm comfortable in that. Like, it's like, it, in a way, it's not so bad. There's pros to that. But in terms of our upbringing, this is like the nature versus nurture thing. Mm-hmm. She was born in New York, uh, where that's where my family, my, my mom was born there. My dad was born in Ecuador, but had moved there at a young age, I think like 11, maybe seven, somewhere between seven and like 
12 or some shit like that. Um, and they were neighbors across the street, my parents in the Bronx. And so that's where they met. They were like together since we were like 18. And so, yeah, my sister was born there. And so she and both because my parents were both from there and they have like each have four siblings. You have uncles and cousins and aunts and grandparents are all there. So my sister grew up with that setting more uh, definitely a more social setting and in New York, you know? And so when I would, my dad was transferred for work to Puerto Rico and I was born a year later. And it's like, it's funny to think about when you, you think back at your parents, you see them as a little kid and then you realize as an adult, like, Oh damn, you're fucking like, you know, for them, they're like, you're 27 leaving your fucking home, leaving all that family. And you're going to like an Island. Yeah. <laughs> that must've been fucking awesome. <laughs> you know, like, not seeing it then. Like I didn't see it until like years later. Mm-hmm. Like, wow, that must've felt <laughs> like the yeah. point is my setting was fucking completely different. Mm-hmm. There wasn't any family. It was just my, my nuclear family. And my dad was at work. My sister was at school. So my household it was just me and my mom, and my mom is kind of like me, very quiet and such a doer. She, you know, she played music around the house and had cartoons, so that's where sound. So back to the like mm-hmm. these things built me. I listened way more than I talked, and I still love how much I I listen and I have a focus. I have I relate to the world through sound, and that that setup was made for that. If they're the two talkers are gone so much my first four years of life was either again like we'd have cartoons looney tunes built me like a motherfucker to all of that music all that free jazz and classical i know that's why i love that shit and and i have a cartoon imagination with music that's how i see music very like almost creating scenes and and thinking kind of silly sometimes even and and then yeah my mom's just kind of like doing her thing in the house i have this like feeling of another energy in the house but there's not much talking mm-hmm. we weren't we didn't we didn't talk much and i didn't you know so it's very interesting to think like uh all of these things are the reasons that my sister and i are different even the same family like we had such insanely different upbringings in those very early years is you, is your mom still around Okay. Do you do you feel like you know her? Um do you feel like you would have known her better now if you had been talkers? Or do you think you guys know enough about each other or or through the silence and just kind of being around each other and kind of absorbing things? Do you feel like you learn just as much? I'm curious on that because you know, like we were saying earlier, yeah. a lot of things can be done with with words, but like music is felt and you can learn a lot that way, too. So I'm curious on that because I did not have that kind of upbringing with the quiet. So I don't know that side of things. Um, so I'm curious on that. What what your take on that is with. Yeah, you know, <clears throat> I there's multiple things because it kind of like even how you feel about your parents shape shifts as you get older as you change and you and and you know more things and you know and um i guess in terms of knowing my mom if i think back to like little me and being like you know i wasn't worried about that i was just doing my thing and i think what i what i love about that i really cherish that time in my life like in those moments of like the the peacefulness because that's what it was it was peacefulness and i fucking 
created. So while she was doing her shit around the house, you know, cooking, or she's kind of artistic too. She liked painting stuff. I was able to do the same. I'd have a piece of paper, some crayons and Looney Tunes on. And what's funny is actually when I write, I set up the exact same scenario. I realized that about myself. That's where I feel truly peaceful. I know I'm kind of veering a little bit. No, this uh, is great. My mom. But I have cartoons on usually. That's like, that calms me. Like I have my second screen. I fucking put on Nickelodeon cartoons, even some Disney movies. Even if it's low volume, it kind of like, just like cheers me up. It makes me kind of like, so I actually tell this to people I teach and I'm telling them, right. I'm like, think of like, you're kind of when you're in the zone and you feel like kind of at peace and you can focus what does that look like? And see if you can recreate that for yourself. I realized that years and years later, probably actually within the last few years of living in New York, like I think back to that time, I was like, yeah, that that made me truly so happy. Like just being in the zone, whatever color, oh, Bugs Bunny's on screen. I'd run to the fridge, grab a carrot, pretend to be Bugs Bunny. <laughs> like it was just, it was light. Yeah, it was yeah. just light and I was able to create, which I, and I, and I just listened and never talked. And, but in terms of learning about my mom, I think, uh, I think I feel like I'd learn about her much later because my mom was also very closed and like she and her years, I mean, it's the generation also that generation people were not open. They're not like us, like, yeah. you know, they're not like no phrase mental health didn't exist you know therapy was something you made fun of you know like shrinks and shit so it's like there's a lot of closeness there so yeah i feel like learning about my mom was probably just an observation you know actually yeah it was it was more that like because yeah. i remember we'd go to new york and I, and i i have the memory of the first like homeless person that i ever saw it's in new york and she just looked so fucking sad and hopeless. And my mom, we came out of a restaurant. She had her leftover styrofoam thing. She fucking gave it to the woman. It's that shit. Like, that's how I learned about my mom. So not necessarily like, hey, mom, tell me about your life, which is actually what I do now more. Yeah. <laughs> she laughed. She's like, you like to ask about it. I was like, mom, what was Studio 54 like? <laughs> like, you went there, right? <laughs> she grew up in New York. Like, yeah. I'm actually now, like, starting to, like, do that. And because also there, my parents are both in a place where they're willing to open up. So it's like a reciprocal thing. Like, I'm... Just almost, you know, like it's, it takes so long when you grow up to not be so like self-absorbed about your, your own life, who you are as a person, your goals, your interests, you know, your parents are just hanging there. And then you realize it's it is about fucking family. And I'm like, I want to know about your life. I want to know who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, my dad and I, it's so crazy because I've had this idea of filming my parents like and kind of like in this like interview format of like, tell me everything or everything you want to. Yeah. <laughs> But everything would be cool too, because it'd be awesome to know. And I, my dad beat me to bringing up the idea. Like he was like, I feel like we should do this. I was like, wow. And he even mentioned he's journaling, which again, for my dad, is like insane. Yeah. My dad's not been the most open person, you know, like, so I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> like you're journaling? That's huge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and, or even just having the idea of wanting to tell the story. I, it was just a beautiful moment of like, he and I haven't always clicked, you know, and, 
So it's just, yeah, it's just growth. We're all fucking growing. Mm -hmm. And like, we're all trying to figure out how to like be with each other. And, you know, especially like if you have issues with parents, um, so you can't, or if you've had shitty experiences with them, which I have with my parents, Mm -hmm. uh, my whole thing that I've come to terms with is like, you can't rewrite the past. And I'm like, also like, you can't have the expectation of forgiveness. I've just, I've just like said, fuck it. Because if I'm here sitting, expecting some kind of forgiveness and which leads to me being resentful to them, I'm going to live their rest of their lives resenting them. And that's not worth it. Just be like, suck it up. Yeah, that shit suck. And whatever. If the expectations are shit because they, they always lead to disappointment. So it's like, just let, it's a letting go. It's yeah. a letting go of whatever thing that you say as an expectation being like, they're not going to, it's not going to be brought up. It's not going to have your happy fucking, not even happy. You're, you're closed. ending. a lot of people want like closure. Fuck it. it doesn't exist. If what I'm going to today, what I'm going to give a fuck about is I want to have a good relationship with my family because they're only here. We're only here together for however much longer mm-hmm. and just let it the fuck go and be like, I'm just going to connect like kind of like square one every time. I just love you as long as they're not assholes, which they're not. They're, they weren't perfect either and they fucking know it but we don't have to talk you know what i mean like yeah. it's, it's kind of like that's what it's taken me many years to get here it's not like i always live with this yeah. this is even the last few years of like like if you feel like with family you have resentment like dude like this isn't you can tell clock's ticking like just let it fucking go mm-hmm. like you just can't because it's not worth it you know yeah you can tie a label to it with forgiveness or something or put it in a category or let it go. Like you said, that's, that's such a huge place to get to in your life is, is coming to that point of realizing that all that really matters is like right now. Like, of course you can plan for the future. You can't change the past. You can work through the past, but that's also taking time up in your present and, and you're not focusing energy on your future necessarily. You may be making your days a little brighter, you know, working through a, a deep depression or something like that. That is, taking stock in your future but finding that with your parents like my dad passed in 2019 and i i wanted to do an episode with him because he listened to every episode of the podcast and he'd call me at like you know or text me late at night like how much longer is this episode i want to finish it but i gotta pee like just just give me like i'm about this point like he never he wasn't good at looking at like the timestamps and stuff where knowing where he's at he's like it just keeps going and he's but i love it like he was into it but when I had my last conversation with him and I knew it was going to be in my heart, I knew it was going to be my last conversation with me. He just sat me down one morning. My mom went to work. I was up visiting him and uh, he's like, all right, ask me anything you've ever wanted to ask me. I'm like, what? He's like, ask me anything you want to ask me. I'll tell you the honest truth. And in my heart, I was like, this probably gonna be the last conversation we have. It was before he was going in for a heart surgery. Um, and he'd been in real bad shape before then. So we all kind of didn't know what was going to happen afterwards. But I brought my podcasting gear up to record a podcast episode with him. And I was like, you know what? In my mind, I was like, why would I record this, you know, when I could just be in the moment? But now I wish with every fiber of my being, I recorded that. Maybe not even that conversation, but just any conversation. Because right now I just have voicemails and his old radio show from back in the 80s that he Uh did at a volunteer radio station. Um, But. I regret it every day, not pushing record on that thing. Um, so what you're talking about 
this idea doing with your parents would be incredible, I think. Not that it's any of my business, but like if you did something like this once a week with your parents and just push record and just put it in a folder, don't even look at it. And when they're gone, go back to it when you want to and relive those moments. It's huge. Like the little bits yeah. of stuff you can have. And if your dad's journaling, hopefully there's a bunch of it because then you can just kind of walk through their mind. It's so crazy. Like the yeah. amount of knowledge you can gain from that or perspective. And also one thing you mentioned too about like, your parents were 27 years old leaving leaving the continental u.s to go to puerto rico at 27 like that's crazy even back then but then you put yourself well what happened to me then oh my dad was only 27 years old where was i when i was 27 how would i have reacted to the situation how would i have dealt with this stress or you know you kind of not give them a pass but you kind of give them a little bit of grace thinking about like, oh shit, if I had that happen to me when I was 25, I was still drinking like crazy. And like, what, who knows what I would have done. This is me I'm talking about, but like the, I wouldn't have not been in any position at that age to be a parent, let alone like make it through and keep the kid alive, you know, like, yeah. uh, it's that little bit of, of, uh, yeah, I don't know the word for it, but it, the understanding, I guess. And then moving mm -hmm. forward, enjoying the time you have left is such a huge thing. Um, I, I'm super stoked on what you're saying here because it seems like all the right steps are happening to really like, cap, not capitalize, but like make the most of, of the years left with family. And the other cool, not to ramble on, but like the other cool thing is you had the totally different upbringing, but now where are you? You're in New York. You're living where... Yeah the life you didn't have growing up now that's where you're at and you're able to find your comfort zone within that within that area with the cartoons and the the, the you know you still make your nest kind of thing yeah. for writing um but in the the upbringing you didn't have the area where you weren't that's super fascinating yeah it's interesting the full circle i mean mm -hmm. As a kid, you know, we come here every year because both of them, you know, sides of the family, like this was home base. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Christmases and summers, like for a long time, like two, three weeks. Um, and well, long to me. <laughs> but uh, anyway, um, and uh, yeah, I just always felt connected to the place. And I'm like, I'll, I'll live, I feel like I'll live here one day. And it's like, yeah, and I was the only one in the family who never had until I guess now five years ago I moved here. And yeah, I guess even though it's a very different New York than they grew up in, it's still like gives me an idea of like, wow, this is what like like where you came from and what you kind of experience and and in that era. And I get, you know, what I've come to realize too, it's like I like seeing where they went from Puerto Rico and then the Tampa and like what they built, like in terms of their lives, that's, I think there's something about being here that in the last like year or so that really clicked, like you guys really fucking like, like you're both like fucking poor kids, you know? And, and what you made out of yourself is that's fucking awesome. You know, it's like work so hard, like seeing where you're at now, you know, it's just, it's just a, the kind of a beautiful thing to like be slightly in their shoes, you know, mm -hmm. a bit. Um, 
just to really feel the place that they were came from. And yeah, it's not even, it's definitely not even as close because they were like in the Bronx. And my, my mom was like in Spanish Harlem, like, mm-hmm. you know, very different, <laughs> but even a taste. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, I'm like, oh shit, like apartments, you know, it's like I grew up in Puerto Rico and Florida and homes and it's just very different. And I, I never, visiting wasn't the same as living. So yeah, it's like, you kind of look at them and you're like, man, I'm, you can be proud of them just for like, you fucking, mm-hmm. you did it. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's a hard road, man. It's a hard road. And, and the, the thing, the beautiful stuff you say, like your mom, like, like passing that leftover food to the the first homeless person you saw like little things like that learning about your mother that way learning about your family that way uh i mean it's funny how those little events she may have not thought about it at all it was just like second nature like oh i'm i'm full this will help you more than me and just did it more than i'm sure there wasn't my daughter's going to see this or whatever, you know, like, or it's just, no, that's how, that's no, she, that much awareness. <laughs> and uh, Exactly. But like those, but you remember that the rest of your life. Yeah. You know, there was other stuff too. Like we'd be at a restaurant and she's like the late stacker, like to just help the server, you know, or like tipping really nicely, like mm-hmm. shit like that. Just like how to, uh, I learned from my mom, how to fucking treat people, yeah. her and, and my my grandfather, her dad were like, they're just that size, just like the thread of compassion, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's just, it's a beautiful thing. Like there's, you know, it's, and even like, yeah, her sisters, like, like all the, all her side of the family just had such big hearts. And then also they, they kind of got like the parties they'd have too in the Bronx. That was what was cool. Like all these things, like even letting go, actually, I tie that to performance is that, you know, they, these are some of my favorite memories of coming to New York was like, they were in like, I think it was like by Yankee stadium where my great grandmother lived in that building. It was like in the hood in the Bronx and she lived in one story. And then her daughter, my mom's aunt lived in the bottom story. And it was like two parties happening at once blaring music. And I'm like six or seven. I'm like, this is awesome you know and they're just like doing it and you just kind of run from apartment apartment there's like fucking someone playing like drums everyone's dancing with each other like um and then puerto rico actually my house was kind of the party house in terms of like my parents would just my dad would invite his co-workers Mm -hmm. and and they would come with their like partners and kids and that was was different at least like you know and I don't know if it's like Latin culture or generational, but like, definitely like, it's not like, Hey, we're going to a party, like leave the kids with someone. It's like, no, those fuckers are coming with it. And they're kind of in the party. Like we, you know, I have memories of my dad falling over with a beer, like, and like not him falling over with a beer, you know? And like, they just, the point of all that was like, what it kind of did for me is just the dancing like they'd play so much like like disco and salsa and pop like on top of like the the uh punk and metal that was like getting and then there was MTV that was like glued to that's where I got a lot of my music interest to music videos live shows it was my parents on these like parties and so a lot of like like what they played like Diana Ross, you know, shit like that like share like I love that stuff and I've even come 
I've like been more in touch with that side and, and with that impact as of late where I'm like, I love those nights. Just like, kind of just like, no one cared what you look like. That was kind of, that's how it ties to performing mm-hmm. where it's, it's you're tied more to the feeling and the, the release that, that the dancing or the performing is, is bringing. You're not, you're not living in the exterior. And I think when I play, I, I definitely inhabit like that kind of dancing side of like, just like I'm tuned in, I'm I'm just really like listening deeply mm-hmm. to the music and able to do that because I have, and just like letting go. Like I don't give a fuck how I look. I'm just I give a fuck about how I feel mm-hmm. and how people are feeling and how we're connecting. And that's what dancing also does. You connect with people. You're stupid, like silly, like yeah, whatever. Who cares? You know, yeah. it all relates. You know, mm-hmm. it does. <laughs> you see someone, you see someone just dancing on their own on the street. You're kind of like, huh wonder what that deal is and you see a group of people dancing you're like oh that looks fun like it's it's never you never single them out you know like if it's just yeah uh like i've said before like if someone who's like a like a um a musician would just go and and like um or like a like a um what was the example i was using it was like someone that like screams for a living right like on stage just walked into a train station and started doing one of the songs with no band they'd think you were insane but you literally do that every night. You go out there and do that in front of crowds of people, but they just know what's coming. It's just this weird, like, context, I guess, is what yeah. I'm getting by that. But now, for a living, I mean, you you make people happy. Like, you're the deck of cards, like you're talking about, you know, just, <laughs> you know, moving around the stage up there, making people happy, pulling people from what's bringing them down and uniting them together in something beautiful. And you get to do that for work. Like, it's fucking awesome. And then your day job, too, teaching people to do that for other people. It's like yeah. this pay it forward springboard. Like you're hitting, like like in Mario Brothers, where you bounce on one bouncy thing, do another bouncy thing. Like you're springboarding the the compassion and positivity and, and uh, experiences to so many people. You think of the level of how many people you know in a in a given year in a normal year without all the stuff that happened tour just being who you are in town students think of like the amount of people you touch in a year you know it's staggering it has to be if you sat and thought about it and then what they did with that they watched you play and they're like holy shit i would love to do that maybe they take a lesson maybe they go somewhere else but down the line, they're on that stage doing the same thing for someone else. It's just this huge, amazing uh, cornucopia of just awesomeness. Not to be all kumbaya, but like y- you have such a cool position that I really admire, you know, what you do, you know. Uh, Thanks. And it's just, it's, it's, it's crazy to think about. Like that's what, like I spent today building a hotel for people that have that would buy and sell people for sport like that's how that's how much money is involved in this in the in what i do with the owners of these buildings and it's terrifying like they can make things happen like this because Mm. they have the money behind it but i'm building this building that's probably rarely going to be inhabited by by anyone except for the occasional, you know, people that come in and can afford that much money to stay at this hotel. 
but none of that progresses anything or like, you know, so it's hard to, to that come home. Yeah. Like I'm helping or I'm building apartment buildings that'll never be inhabited while we're standing there looking down on the streets of Portland and everywhere you look, there's people that have nowhere to live. But to support my family, I went through this program, a five-year program to learn how to do this, to, to be, I'm a commercial plumber. So I'll go in and plumb these buildings for someone, for someone that's, uh, you know, it's going to sit empty for years. Or I also struggle with this. When we test a building, we probably fill and dump enough water that a country would start a war over it in one building. I struggle with that. Like the, just the amount of, of waste and the amount of, uh, but you have to do it to make sure that you're not going to ruin something that someone's going to have to pull the insurance money on to, you know what I mean? It's all goes back to those things. So it's something I struggle with daily. Um, doing that, like having purpose, like what am I going and doing that's bettering the world? I try to be good to my guys and my, uh, you know, like my crew, I try to be good to them and, you know, do good things elsewhere. But when I'm at work, it seems like it's just building blocks of like, okay, get rid of these food carts on this block. We're building a 35 story building, get rid of the, you know, and I'm not involved in that side of it. I'm just involved in coming in and plumbing it. But the whole act of it just seems counterproductive although you're still building something at the same time yeah, it's just not the right thing the big picture yeah you know i miss and the contribution to 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 your belief to humanity and to your yeah. beliefs like, yeah you know i miss hey, being on stage hard, playing. you know we, we we all have to make fucking money yeah you know so it's mm-hmm. like and you're contributing to your family and so that they have a good life so there is yeah. a contribution but yeah it's, yeah it's hard to like not look away you know like yeah that, but the effects and you just walk yeah. by it every day and it's like, man, okay, well, I'm going to go into this concrete blocks and let's put this in and this in and someone will eventually maybe live here. Who knows? But, uh, right now it's just a big empty shell. <laughs> it's weird. Maybe, huh? But, uh, this show is like how I feel a contribution to the world and, and being creative and cause I'm not on stage anymore being able to do that, but I can, speak to people and and put those conversations in front of a lot of people that can then react to it or learn from it or you know i know this show gets a lot of people working night shift at their horrible job every night they get through it listening to podcasts or like there's there's a positive to this so i really look forward to these uh more than anything um yeah because it feels real you know i can talk to someone at work and it's not the same um than talking to someone like yourself like that i really admire what you do and 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 i've just been so stoked to do this conversation and and thanks and doing it, it this late. Nice. i appreciate you doing it this late uh in the evening for you but um it's just my okay. i can rarely get here earlier um yeah it's, it's not a big deal but um i've man i've really enjoyed this a lot i really appreciate the time like this has been really cool um yeah, yeah like it's been nice talking. It's it was like a surprise. Like it's it was not the traditional like like kind of interview, but I don't I I like that. I don't mind it because it's about being human, which is what being a musician is. Yeah, and all the technique and all and so all the guitar stuff. It's like 
Like the only reason that shit matters is so that you can, at least my, my theory with like even being good at technique is like, I want, I work so hard to not make mistakes so that I don't get snapped out of the feeling of the music because it's like breaking the fourth wall. I get snapped out of music and like, ah, oh, fuck, it takes me somewhere else. I'm trying to just be in the world of this song, you know, and the sound. And, but yeah, it's like what you're, you know, it's just, it's all about music and human and, and connection. And it's, it's, it's the best. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I absolutely agree. And it, just being in the moment is so crucial. And anything that lets you do that, I think, is a positive thing um, that lets you be in that pocket. And I I just I, I appreciate the time. I appreciate uh, the candidness and 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 talking about your story, because I love that about this. Just hearing people's stories like where did like where did this come from? Where does it you know what built this? And uh, yeah, I think we did it. That's that's pretty cool. Cool. Right on. Man. This has been awesome. Sulin, thank you so much. And uh, man, we can do a part two, part three, whatever you want to do down the road if you want to. I, I, uh, I, I, did you guys, you guys came to the Northwest. Chris got COVID, I think, and canceled yeah. some shows. Did those get made up and I missed those? Not the, the ones States? in Seattle or Portland, but okay. the, some of the ones in California, not all of those, like San Francisco didn't. But yeah, it was crazy. My partner, Hadn't seen us play like post COVID. She still hasn't really. And <laughs> she flew out for that. And oh, when she landed man. in Seattle, basically I texted her. I was like, uh, bad news. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Fucking sucked. <laughs> she was only coming for those two shows too. Yeah. Like, man. I mean, I mean, it was a bummer for everyone, but yeah, I know. It's, it's, I was looking forward to like, being back there and playing those shows. I actually hung out in Seattle and Portland because we she was there. We made a little yeah jaunt a little vacation. And, and then I went to LA and hung out for a week and mm -hmm. just kind of wrote the rest of the tour out hot. Because yeah. <laughs> I can teach online. <laughs> then I that ended up being weird for me. Like it was like a weird like solo <laughs> trip. But yeah, hopefully we'll be able to amp it up and again and yeah that it'd work. be awesome to say hello and and uh yeah last time i saw propaganda was 2005 so way before and yeah, that was way game yeah game i've only seen one time and it was at loveland in 2005 and uh I'm that was even before b was in the band yeah huh? it was a long time ago and and wow. so i'm looking forward to seeing you play live uh because i just like i said I, your playing's insane i love it um and uh cheers to you for for just being amazing and doing awesome things i i appreciate the time and and the music and uh just keep fighting the good fight yeah you too awesome you know, take it easy everyone out there too <laughs> take care of yourself listen to some good music you know hell yeah <laughs> Be right. good to yourself. <laughs> it's getting weird now. <laughs> hit the group. Hit the group therapy. <laughs> yeah. No, well, you know, teach their own. Yeah. Right <laughs> Would on. I do it again? I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> it's good. Um, it's time. But anyway, right. we'll see yeah, you soon. Thanks for uh, having me. And uh, yeah, take it easy. Absolutely. We'll talk again. See ya. Bye. Bye. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Sulin Hago from Propagandi. 
what an incredible individual, what an amazing guitar player, and just a, a, a fantastic human being. I really, really enjoyed chatting with Sulin. I've been looking forward to it for a while. They've been on my list for a long time, and I'm just really glad to have them on. And uh, go listen to Propagandi today. Go check out go check out Sulin. Uh, their music's incredible and, and uh, also teaches guitar, all sorts of stuff. So sign up for some lessons, reach out, you know, uh, get to know some of these people because I really, really think um, uh, Sue Lin is one of those people that's just uh, always available to help and, and to, to further guitar, further music, and uh, just a great, a great place to be. So thanks to Sue Lin for coming on. And uh, thanks to you guys for listening week after week. I really, really appreciate it. The show would be nothing without you guys. I know I'm rambling here. I'm actually sitting in a very hot vehicle recording this so I could get a quiet spot this weekend to finish this off. Uh, so literally sweating with the windows up. Um, so I may sound a bit frantic. <laughs> but as you know, sometimes I record this thing on the go, and that's what I'm doing. So thank you guys so much. I love each and every one of you. Have a great week. And uh, as always, we'll see you on the radio. Hello, Tom May here, host of Future Friday. I've spent the last 15 years on the road with my band, The Menzingers, where I've met all kinds of wild and fascinating people. So I started a podcast. On Future Friday, I talked to fellow musicians about the moments that made them, their passions outside of music, and the curiosities that tie us all together. I've also talked to the likes of UFO researchers, magicians, soldiers, and documentary filmmakers, and I'm constantly searching for folks that can shape and change our view of the world. You can check out Future Friday wherever you like.